0: Welcome to At The Horn, the podcast devoted to the University of Pikeville Women's Basketball Program. I'm your host, Willard Nipp, and on this episode, I'll be joined by Head Coach Clifton Williams. Together we'll look back at the Bears' close loss at Cumberland, the challenge of navigating an ever-changing schedule, and upcoming games with UT Southern, life, and the rescheduled Lindsey Wilson game. I'll update the Mid-South Conference standings, key statistics for the Bears, and the buckets for backpacks challenge. All in this episode of At The Horn. Welcome back to At The Horn. In this segment, I'll be joined by U-Pike head coach Clifton Williams. In the past week, the Pikeville Bears were scheduled to travel to Lebanon, Tennessee to play Cumberland University and then to Columbia, Kentucky for a matchup with Lindsay Wilson College. But just as Coach Williams discussed in the last episode, in the age of COVID, the coach has to be flexible. The team's travel plans changed before they even left Pikeville.
1: We're sitting there in the u Park gym, waiting to get on the bus to, to go to uh, Lebanon, Tennessee. Phone rings, notifying me that a handful of players had tested positive on Lindsey Wilson's team and that they were shut down. Uh, come to find out they're shut down for five games. That meant we had a one-game trip, and uh, we needed to go and, and get, the, get it done.
0: One of the items Coach Williams and I touched on last week was a statement he made in which he said college basketball is a game of runs. The Bears' contest with the Phoenix of Cumberland University certainly stands as evidence of that fact. After the Bears jumped out to an eight-to-five advantage, with six fifty-six remaining in quarter number one, they suffered a scoring drought in which they managed only four points for the remainder of the quarter, and at the quarter break trailed twenty-two to eleven. Cumberland would ride the momentum to a 16-7 run to open the second quarter, extending its lead to 20 at 38-18. Pike Bulla, however, had a run of its own, outscoring the Phoenix 18-4 over the last 335 of the period, which included a 12 to nothing run to end the first half, cutting the deficit to 42-36 at the intermission.
1: I probably felt like it played a whole game by halftime. I mean, it's it was we had a slow start they came up super aggressive uh, they had a really good game plan uh and and it's a well coached team i've known scott bloom for a while and he was at grace and he's taken over there they've had some transfers come in this year and they've been competitive with everyone similar to us in a lot of ways but they lost a lot of close games early and and so knowing that this is going to be a competitive bunch uh we we prepared i thought we prepared well um but we wound up with a slow start. You know, we're down 10 after the first quarter, uh, the ball's just not bouncing our way, shots aren't falling, You know, we're facing some adversity on the road. In b- burning timeouts, trying to keep th- the game close and, and keep our girls connected um, and competing. Before we got a handle on it, it did balloon to 20 points in the second quarter. Um, but, but what helped us was our own level of aggression in the second quarter and we started attacking the rim, and we got them in foul trouble. I believe we went to the free throw line thirteen times in the second quarter. Sixteen times in the second 16 quarter. sixteen times right? we made thirteen. Um, this is what helped us turn the game around. Gotten the bonus early. We stayed aggressive. We picked up our defense a little bit with the press, and we got them to turn it over a little bit. So uh, there were four turnovers. They they com- we had four turnovers in the in the second quarter. They committed three. But it's our ability to get to the free throw line. We yeah. only had nine field goal attempts
0: in the entire quarter. Yeah, they had 19 field goal attempts in the, in the quarter, uh, and and but they had two free throw attempts. They made them both. But yeah. but you go to the line 16 times in that second quarter, 13, 11 point differential there at the line allowed you to cut into that lead. While the Bears had momentum going into the locker room at halftime, the start of the second half mirrored the first with Cumberland once again extending its lead back into double figures.
1: We had momentum leaving the floor in the second quarter with an opportunity to continue that in the third quarter by coming out and starting fast, starting strong. And we did defensively because we got two or three stops initially. Mm -hmm. We couldn't get the ball to go through the basket early enough to continue it. I felt like if we scored the basketball, we put more pressure on them, Right. We we've had more success in close games than they have, but we never could get over the hump in terms of you know until we got to late in the fourth quarter. And you could saw what happened in the fourth quarter. They wound up shooting twenty five percent from the floor, but as the lead got smaller and smaller, they felt the pressure more and more. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to get that done in the third quarter, right? Let's start to apply that pressure, um, and and we just didn't get it done. They they hit some shots eventually. Um, and and they put pressure back on us
0: missed your first six shots in the third quarter that's what you're talking about the ball not yeah, bouncing your way absolutely and, and a lot of those could have easily gone in at that point then it, but in fact it's it's two minutes basically before anybody scores and and so they they get the basket to
1: to take a six they uh, hit a three i believe so it was pushed from six to
0: nine yes right yes yeah and at that point it's okay here we go again kind of thing but that, that has to be a discouraging kind of deflating. We had momentum. We come out, and we miss our first six shots. And now we look up, and 127 to play in the third quarter. You're trailing 45-61, 16-point deficit. And you end the quarter at the 14-point deficit, 63-49. It would have been tempting for a lot of teams at that point. Okay, we got 10 minutes. We're down 16 or 14. Let's let's just try to make this respectable and go home You know, kind of thing. Your, your team did not respond that way. Talk about that fourth quarter.
1: If you're a competitor and you're looking at a 14-point deficit, you have to know how to get back into the game. And we break it down into segments, right? So in three minutes, can we get it to single digits? I just implored them to keep playing. We knew we had to get it done on the defensive end. We had to get stops. If we could get stops, we'd give ourselves a chance. We did we were able to stack three stops in a row, I believe, and I can't remember exactly what point. And then we got them to turn it over a little bit. Uh, and we started attacking the basket. Haley Freed did a good job for us in this game in the pick and roll. Uh, once we started setting it in the middle of the floor, she got a couple of and ones, I believe, in this game. Wound up with 18 points, three assists, and a turnover. Yeah, she wound up playing 38 minutes, probably a few too many, but we needed them. We, we needed her. She was highly productive in those, in those 13. The run had to do with, with defensive pressure, I felt like. I mean, where we had been lacking. Where we, where we got hurt was normally we are plus 9, plus 10 on the boards. Um, they really did a good job of crashing the offensive boards, and, and we wound up with a plus 1 uh, differential in this game. But we struggled to rebound the basketball. And, and without having the, the second chance opportunities that we normally do,
0: um, puts a lot of pressure on your offense. You uh, get two free throws from Sierra Feltner to cut the lead uh, to two points. Uh, then with one sixteen to play, uh, Haley goes to line Haley free, gets an opportunity she can hit both free throws to tie the game. She gets one out of two, so now you're down by one, and and they have the ball with with roughly a minute 16 to play. Tyra Johnson. Uh, hit a sh- jump shot, and she rode that performance uh, to Conference Player of the Week. She ended up with 30 points, four assists, and three rebounds for Cumberland, and they extend the lead to three at that point. Mary gets her basket in with uh, 35 seconds to play. Now you're down 73-72. Talk me through, then, what the strategy is trailing by one. Uh, remind me, did you call the timeout with 32, or did they call the timeout?
1: No, that's, that's their timeout. Okay, that um, was their We're timeout. out of timeouts because we call the timeout after Tyra hit the jumper to make it 73-70, and we advance the ball, right? So we run the side out-of-bounds play. Um, ball winds up in Mary's hands. Morgan seals down low and creates a driving lane for us, so she finishes at the rim, um, and we cut it to one. We're out of timeouts at this point, so we have to play this out. We decided not to foul and just to guard it. Um, We forced a tough jumper. Uh, Mary was on the ball guarding Tyra Johnson. We knew she was not going to pass the basketball. So Sierra came up. We double teamed. We rotated out of the double team. We forced a fadeaway jumper. And then we just did not come up with the weak side rebound. Um, So we do foul on the rebound. So they go to the line. They hit two uh, without timeouts. We've got to go the length of the court. we get it up the floor, uh, we get off a three, it gets off the back back of the rim, back of the backboard, Mary just missed it. So tough way to lose that one. Um, a game like we felt like, you know, going in, uh, we had a good game plan. One of those games where, you know, you set the game goals, we fall short of our game goals. You know, one of our strengths, they were able to, you know, I gotta give them credit. You know, they, they did a good job on the boards. Um, and, and that's one of our strengths. So kind of a little bit of a wake-up call for us going out on the road and, and just understanding how tough it is to go out and win a Mid-South game mm-hmm. on the road. And, and, and we just got to do a better job of competing, um, got back to basics a little bit and some of the things we do in practice, uh, and we'll get ready to go on Thursday.
0: Which brings us to the conversation about looking ahead. So you've had two games adjusted now, Fried Hardman, uh, canceled for travel issues, and then Lindsey Wilson because of COVID issues. Your schedule now gets a little bit crazy. Uh, you have, <laughs> on Thursday, you, UT Southern used to be called Martin Methodist, uh, Thursday, January the 20th. Uh, that's a home game. You've got a home game on Saturday, the 22nd, against Life. Those are teams that you have already played this season. And then you hit the road to go to Lindsey Wilson. This is the makeup of the game that was missed uh, last saturday. last saturday right so and then the it gets crazy so talk a little bit about the craziness of your upcoming schedule and how do you and then how do you adjust to that
1: well i mean we talked about covid last week and and we have to be able to adapt day to day because we never know what's going to happen well combine weather with covid and now we've got to adapt our you know to our our new schedule which really adds up to when starting on thursday we'll have eight games in 17 days When we go all the way out to February 5th, um, we'll play three games a week and starting on Monday, which will make the eight and 17, you know, when you add in the Thursday, Saturday this week, it's going to be challenging. There's going to be days where we have to get mental reps in practice, whether we're just watching film, uh, but we have to continue to get better in those mental reps. So it's about focus, uh, even if you're not going to be practicing on the court in between games. It's attention to detail and scouting reports, it's knowing personnel, it's it's the things that people take for granted that you have time to do that you don't have the normal time to do. Uh, puts a little bit more pressure on us as coaches to have um, scouting reports prepared in time. Uh, we got to watch a little bit more film during the week, but this is the fun stuff. I mean, we may not have off days, but we get to play. And, and, you know, if you ask kids whether they'd rather practice or play, they'd rather play play. games. Sure.
0: It's not an advantage at all, but one thing that does assist is that the first two games that you kick off are teams you've already played both, both were road games, but at least you, you do know these first two opponents.
1: We, We know them. We know the personnel, but teams make adjustments all throughout the year, right? You know, we know Tennessee Southern's running some different out of bounds actions. Um, you know, they're defending a little bit differently. Their personnel changes some. They played they played big against Campbellsville, and they played small against Georgetown. So we don't even know who's going to start in this game for, for Tennessee Southern against us. With life, it's, it's a similar thing, right? Uh, so we can't totally rely on the last scout playing a team for the second time in the year because teams are going to adjust. So we have to do our homework. It's all about, it's from a scouting standpoint for me, it's, if we're not focused in on the last two games that they played, uh, we're not doing our job. They're going to be different games. Like Tennessee Southern is, is really physical. Um, they're going to try to score in transition and get out and run. And in turn, we're going to try to run against them. So I, I expect an um-tempo game there. Uh, with life, life is really athletic, and, and they're going to try to play – ISO basketball on both sides of the ball, like they're going to play one-on-one defense really well. Uh, they're going to hug up to people off the ball. They're going to try to block shots at the rim. Um, you know, we're going to have to take what these teams give us defensively. We're going to have to be smart in our shot selection and how we create looks. Uh, something we didn't do such a great job of at, at Cumberland, uh, we have an opportunity to come back home and and kind of right the ship offensively and how we play. And then Lindsey Wilson, uh, you know, we point to Lindsey. We say every game is the same, but our players know that we have not won there. We're excited about the opportunity to go, even though it's not ideal that we're going on a one-game trip, and we're more than likely going to travel in vans as opposed to a charter bus, with like we think we're usually do on that trip. But no excuses. We're looking forward to that. So you'll go, you'll leave Sunday. That game on Monday. We will play Thursday, prep Friday play life on Saturday, travel Sunday to Columbia, play an earlier afternoon game. It'll be three o'clock Eastern time, two o'clock Central. We'll play that game and then immediately come back home so we can get back to school.
0: Talk about your team's health status. Is, is everybody healthy and ready to go as, as far as you can tell us?
1: Uh, yes. Uh, we've got one player that's still finishing up a return to play uh, protocol from, from COVID, but everybody else is healthy, and I expect – Uh, The player who's coming out of return to play, I believe she's going to be a full practice today. So uh, everybody's healthy.
0: If you sit down to talk with Coach Williams, one of the things that you can't help but notice before too long is his thirst for knowledge and his desire to grow. In this segment, we are going to talk about those things that influence him, that as a man and as a coach, help make him the person that he is today. Everybody has those things that influence them apart from what everyone knows about them. In other words, you're a basketball coach, and so people would expect you, okay, I followed this coach, I I came from this coaching tree, those kinds of things. But most folks also have those things that help shape who they are as a person that influences what they do in life. What are the things that you do that help you develop as a leader that that carry over, that translate to basketball?
1: That's an excellent question. And and it's evolved over the years. Cause when when I first started out, it was strictly basketball stuff. Um, I've gotta I've gotta absorb as much, you know, knowledge as possible. Probably one of the faults of, of head coaches that that get in early on is they think they have to know it all. They have to know everything. That's where that that whole mindset, you know, trying to be a sponge for for all things basketball. And and so how that's evolved is is I had to get back to my roots, right? Like, you know, what helped me to be the best athlete that I could be? And it started with with one of my early coaches, and his name was Furman Sims. And and he he incorporated faith and and Bible study and 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 scripture study into our team. And and we had kids from all denominational backgrounds. You know, we had Jewish kids on our team. We had Catholic kids, and and you know, we had Protestant kids. And so it was interesting that he used Catholicism to bring that all together because that's what he knew, right? That was his up. Uh, that was his uh, background. So when we went on road trips, we we had this little book that was called the Day book, and we would read. We would read in the hotel. You know, we would take turns going around and read read certain sections of that book. And we did it every trip. We would go to church before practice. Um, and the and Jewish kid, we went to different denominational church. Like he didn't always take us to the Catholic church. You know, we, we go to a seventh day Adventist church. We go to a Protestant church. Like he, he expanded our horizons in, in that way. And so when I looked at that and say, well, how can, how can I grow and become a better coach? Right. And, and it comes with understanding my players. What do my players? What do my players need? You know, are it, or do I know that they're trying to grow their faith, and so I can meet them wherever they are. So, I read the Bible as a coach. There's certain meditation scripture that I use that I got from a mentor of mine. I listen to basketball podcasts to help me with that side of it. Now, I think a big part of it is I'll reach out to my players and ask them what they're reading, right? I'll, I'll reach out to my friends and ask them what they're reading. One of the current books that I'm reading right now is called Elevate, and it's it's a group of of one word essays uh, by these two gentlemen who talk about what what these what courage means to them, what what team what teamwork means to them, right? So they have a podcast as well, but one of my players gave me the book, and so that's the book I'm currently reading.
0: Does that happen often? A player give you a book? I mean, no, it doesn't, it's almost it always doesn't the other way around. Often, but it
1: happened it? this year, yeah. and and so you know it's it's. Finding out what matters most to people and and listening. It takes listening. We got to sit down and listen. Exercise is is big too. It helps me, you know, it's something that I, it helps me with my own discipline throughout the course of a season. I can get lost in the day to day stuff with coaching, right? Because the phone's constantly ringing. But do I have the discipline to put it down long enough? Do I close my computer and go take care of myself? Because exercise for me, it, the one area where it's, it really, really helps, is my mental health. It helps clear my mind so when I come into practice, I can let go of whatever distractions and focus in for that hour and a half or however long we're going. It, it helps me to keep my emotional control in the midst of adversity. These are the things that help me to be a better coach. Coaching is an ongoing
0: process of learning. This time, we want to take a moment to take a look at the standings of the Mid-South Conference women's basketball competition. Some of the very best in the NAIA play in this conference, and as we take a look at the conference standings, we find that two of the top three ranked teams in the country, Thomas Moore and Campbellsville, lead the way. After knocking off previously undefeated and number one ranked Campbellsville, Thomas Moore's now sits atop the national polls. The Saints are 17-1 overall, 10-0 in the conference, and riding a 16-game winning streak. With the loss to Thomas Moore, Campbellsville now drops to number three in the nation, now 16-1 overall, and 8-1 in the conference. As we mentioned in our last episode, the top four teams in the regular season conference standings earn a bye into the conference tournament quarterfinals. While we're not at the quite at the halfway point, it is very difficult to envision a scenario in which Thomas More and Campbellsville do not earn two of those four seeds. The remaining two buys, however, as well as seeds five through eight who will host first round conference tournament games are very much up for competition. Seven, maybe eight teams are in contention for those two buys and the first four tournament games. At this moment, Georgetown is six and four, and in third place in the league. There's a three-way tie for the fourth spot between Freed Hardeman, UT Southern, and Cumberlands. They're each five and four, a half game back of Georgetown. Lindsey Wilson, even on the season in the conference at four and four, is in the number seven spot. U Pike now three and six in the conference holds on to the eighth spot. Bethel three and seven, Cumberland two and six, and Shawnee State two and seven. Round out the top 11, and Life University sits in the final spot with a 1-7 and conference record. Let's take a look at the numbers at this point in the Bears' season. With the loss to Cumberland, the Bears' five-game winning streak is now snapped. U-Pike now sits 9-7 and overall on the season, and as we mentioned a moment ago, 3-6 and six in the conference. The Bears are averaging 77.1 points per game while giving up 69.8 points, an average margin of plus 7.3 points per game. From the field, the Bears are shooting 42.6% while holding their opponents to 40.3%. From the three-point line, Upike is shooting 33.6%, draining an average of 5.9 three-pointers per contest while their opponents are shooting 27.7% from long-distance range, averaging 5.7 trays per game. With one of the nation's leading rebounders, Morgan Stamper, leading the way, Pikeville is out-rebounding their opponents 41.5 to 31.8 per contest, a plus 9.7 rebounds per game margin. In terms of individual statistics, here are some that may interest you. The Bears' balanced offense finds four players averaging double figures. Morgan Stamper, the sophomore from Independence, Kentucky, leads the way at 15.4 points per contest. Mary Englert, the senior, knocks down 14.8 points per game. Bailey Frazier, the junior, 10.4. A.J. Reed, 10 points even per contest. And Sierra Feltner is right on the cusp of the the double-digit margin with 9.4 points per game. The top five Bears in terms of field goal percentage with a minimum of 50 attempts are Morgan Stamper, 51.8% from the field, Leanna McNulty, 48.2, Georgia Sedari, 45.9, AJ Reed, 43.7, and Bailey Frazier, 42.4. The team's three leading three point shooters in terms of percentage with at least 20 attempts are AJ Reed, still at 50% on the season, now 30 of 60 on the year. Georgia Sedari, 48.3, and Sierra Feltner, 31.3. A good free-throw shooting team, the Bears are led from the Charity Stripe by A.J. Reeds, 90.9%, 20 of 22 from the free-throw line. Bailey Frazier at the Charity Stripe, 87.8, 36 of 41 on the season, and Mary Englert, 52 out of 62 on the season, 83.9%. Morgan Stamper's 12.3 rebounds per contest make her not only the team leader, but makes her among the nation's leaders in rebounding. Mary Englert averages 6.7 and Bailey Frazier 5.3 rebounds per game. Hey, before we go, we want to update the Buckets for Backpacks Challenge. For those who may be unfamiliar with the challenge, Coach Clifton Williams donates $1 for every bucket the team makes, be it a two-pointer or a three-pointer, to the Backpack Ministry of Pikeville United Methodist Church and challenges others to do the same. The ministry addresses the issue of food insecurity for children who rely on schools to provide meals and may not have food at home over the weekend by providing them with low-preparation food items. With the 22 buckets against Cumberland University, the season's total now stands at 507. The last three games are the only ones yet to be matched by anyone, so here is your opportunity. The Bears made 25 buckets against Bethel, 27 against the University of Cumberland, and 22 against Cumberland University. All other games have been matched by at least one person this season, but please feel free to match any of them that you would desire. If you'd like to match a specific game, a week, or even the entire season, or you just want more information about the program, you could call Pikeville United Methodist Church, area code 606-437-7315, or email the church office at office.pumc, short for Pikeville United Methodist Church, office.pumc at gmail.com. If you wish to donate by check, make the check payable to Pikeville United Methodist Church and put buckets for backpacks in the memo and mail it to PUMC, P.O. Box 311, Pikeville, Kentucky, 41502. Thanks for joining us today and join us next week as we bring you another edition of At the Horn. Go Bears!